Tonight, I want to do something uh, that's just a little bit different as I've been praying uh, for our upcoming business meeting this coming week. Uh, we passed out to you uh, this flyer right here, and this is uh, the, the, for the deacon elections coming uh, this coming Wednesday. And I felt it prudent uh, to do two things tonight. One, to review the biblical reason for the deacons and their qualifications. And then secondly, to review the ball lot and bylaw changes that came into effect uh, in 2016. And, uh, and so that we all understand exactly how that will work on Wednesday. And so uh, let's first get into the preaching of the Word of God. And so if you want to look at Acts chapter number 6 with me, uh, that's where we're going to turn in our Bibles. Acts chapter number 6. I'm grateful for our deacons, and uh, this come, this, just yesterday I got to meet with our, our deacons, and let me just tell you, we have some terrific men who serve as deacons at Hillside Baptist Church. Um, there wasn't enough amens in that. Um, I'm starting to get concerned about the congregation tonight, but I believe that we have some terrific deacons. Amen. Amen. Good. Well, I'm, great, I'm grateful for that. I'm not looking for parrots, but I hope that you agree. I see in them uh, men of humility, uh, men who love to serve the Lord. Uh, men who love their pastor, uh, not just uh, me, but they love Pastor Tolbert as well, and, and I'm grateful for these men. Their leadership uh, through all that we've been through in the last year has made them an exemplary uh, group of men, and so I just thank the Lord for them. And so coming up in Acts uh, chapter 6, and, and even this Wednesday, uh, we have a need to uh, elect two more deacons. And so uh, it is important, therefore, that we look out among us and finds uh, the men of honest report full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And so that's what the text says tonight. So if you will look there, Acts chapter number 6 and verse number 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, to, uh, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren... Look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the, multi the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you for the church. We thank you, Lord, uh, that Christ died for it. We thank you for uh, those who serve, Lord, from door greeters uh, to deacons, to those who are just willing to come and help prepare a parking lot uh, for Sunday. Lord, we're so humbled uh, for people who love you and love the church. And so we just pray that tonight you would help us as a church to uh, prayerfully consider your will regarding uh, the election of the deacons. And Lord, that uh, Lord, as we look at the qualifications for the deacons, that it would not just be uh, for them, but Lord, for each of us as we seek, Lord, to do your will in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. As we look in Acts chapter number 6, we see really a crucial point in the church, in the early church. 
uh, in the book of Acts chapter number 1, we see where Christ went to heaven. They were waiting on the, um, on the Holy Ghost. They, uh, we see that they received the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter number 2. Peter preached. We saw how many were saved on that first sermon. 3,000 saved in that first sermon. And then a few chapters later, we see another 5,000 were saved. We see that during this time, the church saw explosive growth. Uh, the apostles and those in the leadership at that time were just enamored with trying to juggle everything that was going on. Uh, people were just so excited about what was happening in the church. We saw uh, there was unity. There was, uh, there was, obviously, there was problems in the first church because there's tr- problems in every church because people are in the church. But what, what we see is that, that through those problems and through those concerns, they looked for uh, legitimate uh, ways to be able to uh, uh, serve the church better. And so as we get to Acts chapter number 6, we see uh, that e- even in Acts chapter number 5, in Acts chapter number 4, and other places of that nature where the church had a compassion for one another. And, and so uh, people who had, had extra lands and different things, that they would take those lands and they would sell those and they would bring the money and they would bring it to the apostles and say, distribute this to those in the church that have need. And what a great uh, heart and a burden that they had for one another. Isn't that great? Uh, man, just, just to consider that, that uh, the disciples loved the Lord, and because of the love for the Lord, they had love for one another, just like John 13, 34, and 35 says, that they'll know that we're Christians by our love. And so here we come to Acts chapter number 6, and there begins this, this uh, first initial issue uh, that may be a discord issue, but really it was a concern issue. And in verse number 1, it says, In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministrations. Now listen, these were legitimate concerns in the church. Did, did you know that there's not just legitimate concerns? Sometimes there's preferential concerns. Like what kind of toilet paper the church buys, uh, what color the couch is, uh, or what color the, uh, the walls are painted. Those are preferential concerns, and, and really mature Christians can look at those preferential concerns like, and say, you know what, these are not that important to the, uh, being able to accomplish the mission that God has for the church. And, and really, a mature Christian will look at those things and say, you know what, it, I'm okay either way. You know, if we want to paint these walls, uh, you know, super bright white so when you come in here you can't hardly see anything or if you want to paint them purple you know I don't think I'm going to really care that much not that many people said amen to that one I'm not going to paint the walls purple but I'm what I'm saying is that's a preferential concern it's, it's, it's not something that we need to divide and uh, over. Instead, it's a, just something, oh well I prefer for that wall not to be bright purple and I'm in your camp, don't worry but then there's also carnal concerns, and carnal concerns are something that are aroused by carnal Christians. And the word carnal literally means a worldly Christian, someone who, is, uh, who has their mind more upon the world than they do upon the Lord. And so a lot of times they have ulterior motives, and they can have a hurtful spirit. And so uh, even in 3 John verse 9, it says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have preeminence among them, received us not. So this man was a man who was a carnal Christian. Carnal Christians oftentimes bring division into the church and raise issues that are, uh, are hurtful to the body. But this was a legitimate concern in this early church. There was, there was a, a legitimate need for the widows uh, of that time to be cared for, not just, not just some of the Hebrew widows, but the Grecian widows and all of the widows. Because listen, when, when we come to Christ, the ground is level at the cross. And so when we come to Christ, it doesn't matter if, what color or what nationality. And when we come to Christ, God says, look, I love all of you equally the same. And so this was a helpful issue, and we see a proper response from the church and from the apostles at this point. And so uh, they had great wisdom. 
wisdom from God. And so uh, they said, you know what? We can stop everything else we're doing and serve tables, but that's not our role. So let's talk first about the role of the, the apostles, the disciples, and the pastor today. Because we don't have apostles anymore. Uh, we, we don't have uh, uh, that office anymore in, in, because that ceased uh, when those initial apostles uh, died. And so what we have today, though, are pastors and evangelists. And so in verse number 2, it says, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So first off, let me just mention that uh, one of the main principles of, for a pastor is to be able to study the Word of God. Isn't that important? I, I mean, the, the greatest responsibility that the Lord has called me to do is be able to share with you the truth of His Word every week. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a heavy responsibility that weighs heavy on my heart. I go to bed at night thinking about it. I wake up every morning thinking about it. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night uh, praying and, and seeking the Lord's will regarding uh, what, uh, what direction God would have me to share with you from God's Word. Amen. And so the pastor then uh, is, is man who's responsible for preaching the Word of God. He is responsible in verse number 4. He says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. We see also the pastor needs to be a man of prayer. Uh, man, I, don't, I, I tell you what, I'm grateful uh, that my Brother Tolbert was a man of prayer. Uh, we spent many times together in prayer, he and I did. And let me just encourage you, that is a legacy that God has called me to, to continue on. And just know that I pray for you on a regular basis. I pray uh, for our church through the directory. I pray through our prayer warrior. I pray uh, every day for our church family. Because listen, this is a ministry that God has called your pastor to, and I want to be faithful to it. But we also see through the Word of God that God has called the pastor to lead. And look, a pastor is a, is a shepherd, right? And you can't drive sheep, you have to lead sheep. And so God has called me to lead and not to drive or to run, but instead just to submit to Christ and to His Word. Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 28 says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which He hath purchased with His own blood. 1 Peter, and look in this one with me, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 and through 4. The pastor is here to shepherd the flock. He says, Feed the flock of God, in verse 2, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Listen, God has not called uh, the pastor to be uh, a lord over you. God has called the pastor to be an example. And so an example through the preaching, an example through praying, an example in our life. And so, listen, I, I've learned already in, the, in just a few short weeks that the Lord's allowed me to uh, be your pastor that I can't do it all. And I've come to really be thankful for our deacons. I've come to really be thankful for uh, those who work quietly in the backgrounds in different ministries of the church. Let me just say thank you for giving. Thank you for loving. Thank you for serving the Lord together. Because when we work together, we see what happens here in the verse number 7, and the Word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And my prayer is that the Word of God will increase at Hillside Baptist Church, and the number of the disciples in Springfield will increase greatly. 
That's my prayer and, and concern is that God will allow us to continue to see souls saved. Because let me tell you what, the pastor is accountable to the Lord for my service. I'm, I'm accountable. One day when I stand before God, Hebrews 13, 7 says that I will give an account as the bishop and shepherd of your soul. I tell you what, that is a, that's a heavy weight in my, in my heart and in my life. And, um, and so daily, I, I, I feel that responsibility. And so I'm grateful for men who serve. I'm grateful for the deacons in our church. And listen, when we, when we gathered together yesterday, uh, you know, probably 30 years ago, 40 years ago, uh, oftentimes people said, well, we need to elect a deacon who will stand up to his pastor. That's not a biblical mindset, is it? No, we, we, we're looking for men who are like-minded, who love the Lord, who want to go forward. And, and if, we, uh, if we act like they, the heathens do in Washington, D.C., we're going to be in trouble in the church. And so we're, we were looking to be like-minded of one accord, of one mind, so we can continue to carry the gospel forward into all the world. Look at, with me in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 12. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 12. God has called, uh, called me to help equip uh, each of you in the, into the work of the ministry. And so Ephesians 4.12, it says, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Listen, the, the awesome thing is, and if you do a little Greek word study here, it says that uh, God allows each of us to have a, a part in the work of the ministry, each of us to have a part in the edifying of the body of Christ. We all work together to make sure that the, the mission of the church is accomplished in our generation. I really believe that God has given us everything we need to be able to reach Springfield for Christ. Amen. Sometimes we don't see it. But I really believe that God has given us what we need to be able to reach our community for Christ. And so let me just encourage you. I, I'm looking forward to being able to, to endeavor as a church to reach our community for Jesus Christ. The church is led by a pastor. It's served by our deacons and is participated in by the members. That means we all get a chance to have a part and a position here at the church. So let's talk briefly about the role of the deacon because I think this is important that we see that, that hey, the deacons have a specific place in, in the ministry of the church. And, and I, I believe it's important that as we looked at the pastor's role and, and his responsibilities, we also see where God has a specific place for them as, in ver, as well. Acts chapter 6 and verse number 2 says, Then he called the, 12, uh, called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. And it goes on in verse 3 and says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men, honest, of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom you may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And the saying please the whole multitude. And so as we look here, we see that the, the role of the deacon, obviously in, in chapter 6, is a ministry to our widows in our church. I tell you what, I, I, as we consider those who have lost loved ones in our church, uh, what a great responsibility the Lord has given us to continue to love and to continue to encourage these families as they go through difficult times. And so God allows uh, uh, those men and their families to come along beside and to help continue to minister to them in their need and their time of loss. The second ministry we see is a ministry to the needy. I'm grateful for our men because they help us to be able to take care of those who have benevolent need. They help to continue to care to distribute those funds as is needed. 
I'm grateful for the men who, uh, for these men who are men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom because when the time comes, I can look at one of our deacons and say, I need you to come and pray here at the altar uh, with Jane because she needs, she needs Christ. These men help us as we serve the Lord's table, and I'm looking forward to that here in just a couple of weeks as we uh, endeavor to continue to build the unity of the church and, and, uh, and uh, in communion at the Lord's table. They serve as Hillside Baptist Church in a practical sense and according to our Constitution bylaws as the trustees. And so uh, they have that, um, that role. It's not a biblical role, but it's a necessary role as a corporation. And so as we consider all of those roles, and, and there's so many more, but if you look at these roles, they are all servant roles. God's called our, our deacons to be servants uh, in our church, and I'm grateful that the deacons that we have are men who are servants first and foremost. Uh, terrific, terrific men. So what is this something that qualifies a deacon? How does a man, how do we look and know that a man is qualified? Vance Havner once said this, we need men of the cross with the message of the cross bearing the marks of the cross. And that's, I believe firmly that that's what a, the, the men who serve as deacon, they are men who are of the cross, men who carry the message of the cross, and they bear the marks of the cross in their body. Look in, in Acts chapter number 6 and 7, we see here the man Stephen. Now Stephen was a man that was a remarkable deacon in the first church. A man who obviously loved the Lord, a man who was excited and passionate about, um, about his position and place, but especially about Jesus Christ. And it says, in the plain saying pleased, and let's look in Acts 6, 5, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And, and we see this in verse number 8 again. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. And then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called in the synagogue of Libertines and Cyrenians, the Alexandrians, and of them of, the, uh, of Cilicia and of, of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. We see that, that Stephen was a man who was a, an ex, a, just an exemplary deacon in his church. As he served in the church, he was also a man who had great wisdom, a great power in preaching. Uh, the, obviously, the, the evidence of God's Spirit was in his life as he served his church very faithfully. And, and probably most of us recognize that Stephen is one of the early martyrs in the church. Stephen was a man who preached so fervently that it shamed the Pharisees and the Sadducees and they stoned him to death. They were not called to stand against the apostles. Stephen wasn't called to stand against the apostles, but he was called to stand with them. He was called to continue to carry forth the mission of the church. So if you will look with me to 1 Timothy chapter number 3. So as we consider that, let's, let's consider these qualifications that God has laid out for the deacons uh, in, in our church and, 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 other, uh, and in the first part of the chapter we have the qualifications for the pastor. And in verse number 8 we see uh, the qualifications for a deacon. It says, Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of, faith, of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so, must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husband, husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in 
Christ Jesus. And so here in these, in these few verses, we see really the qualifications that God lays out for the deacon. And so first off, let's go through this list uh, together. First off, let's think of this word grave. Likewise, must the deacons be grave. And if you, if you really, uh, you could back up to that word likewise if you wanted to and, and just point out, he says, just as there are qualifications for the pastor, just as the, the pastor must be held to an example because of the fact that uh, he is the shepherd, uh, so also must our deacons, because there are only two offices in the church. Okay, we don't have uh, in some of the hierarchies of some of the denominations today. You'll hear of pastors or priests and bishops and elders and uh, cardinals and uh, and royals and uh, <laughs> rangers. I, I don't know what all they have, but but listen, there's two offices that the the Bible talks about. The one is the pastor. And the other one is the deacon. That's the only two offices that there are in the church. And so as we consider that, let me just, let me just say that because of the position and the office, that the men are an example to the church body. And so first off, he must be grave. This describes a man who understands the seriousness of his ministry. And really, when we consider the seriousness of the ministry, God has given us the privilege of serving people around us. And that's a serious calling in this church. Grave men don't mean that they walk around somber, okay? That doesn't mean that they've got their, uh, that, they're, that they're sad all the time, but they can be joyful men. But they take their, their responsibility seriously. Uh, the second thing he says is they're not double-tongued. A double tongue is one of deceit and hypocrisy. Rather than uh, highly esteeming truth, it, is, uh, it speaks of, that, of someone that says something that's convenient. Well, I'm in this group of people, so I'm going to say this. But I'm in this group of people, so I'm going to say this over here. It speak of, speaks of a man who is a man of his word, and he can be trusted with confidential information. A double tongue also implies gossiping, backbiting, undermining, or holding grudges. These greatly hinder the work of God and disqualify a man from holding the office of a deacon. So consider that well. The next thing we see is not given to much wine. Uh, there is in the church a great apostasy regarding alcohol. But it's not just alcohol. I believe this is going to be with uh, the use of anything that inhibits someone from being able to have a good testimony. So intoxicating liquors, drugs, or tobacco, or any of the things, all of these things would inhibit your a good testimony. Because, listen... Uh, the, the common church today, and I'm using the term very loosely, says it's okay to indulge in alcohol occasionally. Just don't get drunk. The Word of God says, look not on the wine, uh, the wine when it turneth itself in the cup. Forgive me, I'm going off of memory. I might have got that a little off. But this is the, this is the principle God's Word state, talks about here. Leave it alone. We don't have any, any reason as Christians indulging in alcohol. Uh, and let me, just, let me just encourage you, I, you know, maybe this is something you struggle with. Uh, Galatians chapter 6 reminds us, if a man be overtaken in a fault, then, we, uh, then those which are spiritual can come along beside you and help you bear the burden and help you overcome and help encourage you through it. We're, we're not here to, to, to destroy, but in, instead to bring you through that temptation and that addiction. The next thing we see is that he says he's not to be greedy of filthy lucre. Now, this is important. Uh, we hear and hear and hear uh, of churches and organizations where somebody is uh, guilty of embezzlement, and we do not want uh, any of that happening in our church. 
uh, this church belongs to the Lord. The money that, uh, that we have belongs to the Christ, and we want to make sure it's used for His purposes. And so we want to make sure that we uh, elect a deacon who's not a deacon who's concerned with his own personal gain, but a man, who, and a man that can't be bribed or alter their convictions. Listen, greed will twist your mind and hinder sound judgments. So a, a deacon that's controlled by the love of money can promote a competitive, even a mercenary spirit in the church. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So I believe firmly that financially investing in the work of God is a prerequisite for being a deacon. I believe that it's important that, that, uh, that as men uh, and uh, families, if, if they're going to hold the office well, then they must be an example. Next thing we have, it says, holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. As we go down through the list, uh, the mystery of faith refers to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The deacon who holds the gospel in a pure conscience is a man who has a clear grasp of the gospel and on biblical truth and one, wants to pass it on to those around him. This is a 2 Timothy 2.2 principle. The same which thou hast received of me, the same commit thou to faithful men and shall be able to teach others also. He's a student and a teacher of the word. None of us have arrived. Amen? We're all still students of the Word. And so we're all still trying to grow in our walk with Christ. And we're all still, and I was talking to Brother Terry earlier this evening. I said, uh, he was, I, I shared these, this notes with uh, the deacons yesterday. And, and I had 1 Peter 3, 8 through 13, and, and I had the wrong text on the notes. And he texted me last night and says, hey, I'm, I'm sure you caught this, but you have 1 Peter. It should be 1 Timothy. I said, Brother Terry, thank you. I said, I sure would have been embarrassed to be able to be telling y'all, turn to 1 Peter, and it was 1 Timothy. But as we consider this, we all are prone to mistakes, and so we continually need to be learners of the truth. Acts chapter 20 and verses 26 and 27 says, Wherefore I take, to you, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Listen, Paul was faithful in soul winning. He was faithful in teaching. He was faithful in discipleship. And he said, I have a conscience that's pure of guilt toward other men. That's what our deacons need to have. Um, um, men that are men who are uh, willing to share the gospel with those around them. The next thing we see here in our list uh, is they must be men who have been proven. The office of the deacon should not be treated as a position of discipleship. But instead, the requirements given for deacons should already be established in a man's life before he's appointed to his office. Because to appoint a baby Christian is going to, uh, to this leadership is detrimental to their growth. It's detrimental to the church. The next thing is they must be blameless. When Samuel entered his ministry... Um, ended his ministry, excuse me, as a judge in Israel, his testimony was so blameless and that um, as he was stood before the entire nation of Israel, he literally asked if any, he had defrauded any person. Did I do anything wrong to any of you? Is there anything wrong that I have done and, and before all of the nation? And his, the response was none. Samuel was a faithful man. He was a blameless man. And there should be, not be one person in the church that could uh, lay any blame to any of our deacons. The lifestyle of a deacon and his family should be godly and above reproach. And that's important. Our testimony is, should be sterling. Listen, these men are not perfect. I just want to lay that out there. All the deacons said, Amen. They can tell you they're not perfect. I can tell you they're not perfect. They can tell you I'm not perfect. But what, what we're looking for is men who have proven themselves to be blameless. As we continue down through the list, he goes into the deacon's wife. 
And so, um, anyways, so as, as I go through this, let me just say, wives, I'm not picking on anybody here tonight. I don't mind picking on guys, but I sure hate to pick on ladies. When I was at church camp a few years ago, they asked me to lead the singing, and um, so I, I led the song, A Continual Drifting on a Rainy Day and a Contentious Woman Are Alike. That didn't go over real well. And the lady said, and you wonder why. So he goes on here in verse number 11, he says, even so must their wives be grave. And so he, he goes on, he says, they must meet the, some of the same qualifications as her husband. Uh, and so as we, as we think about this, the very fact that her husband has appointed to a leadership is a statement that he is worthy of being an example to others. And for this reason, his wife must share the same godly testimony and heart for service for, as her husband. I'm grateful for our deacons. I'm grateful for their wives and their families and their input in our church. Pray for them. They're not perfect. We're just all of us trying to get to work together. Again, must be grave. Again, this is the same basic idea that we talked about before. That Obviously, they have the joy of the Lord in their life. They're, they're excited about what God is doing, but they're also willing to be serious when it's time to be serious. Uh, they're not slanderers. Listen, the power of the tongue is greater than we can ever fathom. We have no idea sometimes how powerful the tongue is. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Gossip, slander, backbiting have destroyed many churches, individuals. They have torn down, it has torn down leadership and created deep rifts in fellowship. And let me just tell you tonight uh, that, that God's Word, uh, as I read through it and read through it and read through it, I find more and more uh, occasions where God's Word speaks to us about our mouths. I always love the illustration that God gave us two ears, two eyes, two nostrils, one mouth. There's a reason for that. It goes on, it says, Sober. Again, this is related to the deacon's qualification of not giving to much wine. It indicates a woman who is temperate, is free from excess in any area. Her life is disciplined and brought under control of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the next one is faithful in all things. Uh, I tell you what, there's nothing greater than seeing a lady who is faithful. Uh, you know, many of us have fond memories of our mother. Mother's Day is one of the most... Uh, influential days of the year. More people make phone calls, send cards on Mother's Day. Uh, you know, when our moms uh, die, then we are grieved most of all because they mean so much to us. And so the example of a deacon's wife with her walk with the Lord, with her uh, prayer life, with the way that she carries her motherly responsibilities, and all of the things that she does, she does needs to be an expression of her love for Jesus Christ. I'm grateful that this term, faithful in all things, is a mark of spiritual maturity in Christians. And I believe that, uh, that as we select and elect a deacon, uh, two deacons coming up in just a couple of days, uh, that uh, each of us would pray regarding those things. Other qualifications, and these are ones probably we think of a lot, because um, I think we hear it a lot. Well, uh, I'm divorced, so I can't serve as a deacon, because the next qualification is the husband of one wife. Literally, this means uh, to a, married to a, excuse me, refers to a one-woman man. It means that he is first, uh, first of all, married, secondly, married to one wife only. It's not only pro prohibiting polygamy, but it's also prohibiting divorced men from being in the office. And it also deals with this idea of purity in a man's sexual life. 
And I'm not going to go into detail there because this is a family service. So let me just encourage you. Make sure that these men are, are men that are those things. The next thing as we go through, he says, ruling their children in their own house as well. Let me just say, kids are kids. Amen? And kids are going to be fun, and kids are going to be, uh, sometimes they're going to have up days, and they're going to have bad days. And So we're not asking kids to be perfect. What we're looking for is that the man is a spiritual leader in his home. That is an important aspect here. Uh, and, and let me just encourage you too, there's going to be times where sometimes our deacons uh, have been the spiritual leader in their home. They faithfully executed the office that God's called them to. And by no fault of their own, their children stray. Let me just say, pray. Pray for these dear families. Because the devil hates them. And if we're not going to encourage and pray for them in their time of need, who will? And so love your deacons, uh, you know, and we want uh, them to be godly men and share that spiritual leadership in his home, but but love them through their hurts as well. We see that through all of these things, that the, de the deacons, their families, these are high qualifications for a deacon. These are, these are things that obviously point to the fact that their testimony counts. People observe our leadership, don't they? We look to our leadership and say, well, how are they going to handle this problem? Or how, are they going, how do they handle this in their family? And, and let me just encourage you, people rarely... Uh, rise above what leadership is. And so if our leadership, uh, if, our, if the men that we elect to be leaders in our church are not good leaders, then we're not going to rise above that. This is a servant leadership. This is not a place of pride or a place where I, uh, it's all about me. Mark chapter 10 talks about the fact that it should be others before self. And so as we consider our deacons in their election, let me just encourage you, one, pray over the next couple of days regarding who God would have us to elect as a deacon. Uh, and pray that God would allow us as a church to be unified in this regard. But you know, it's easy to look and say, well, those are for the qualifications for a deacon. But I believe that above everything else, that this is not just for the deacon, but all of us should strive. All of us should strive to be men and women of the truth, men and women who uphold the Word of God. These are, these are qualifications that all of us in our life need to strive for to accomplish. And none of us are going to be perfect in them. But what God is asking is that, that we just simply be faithful as, as, as much as we possibly can. Now, I want to just briefly, and you're welcome to open the inside of your flyer here. And, and uh, probably you were bored and so read through all of the... Uh, nominations for deacon election already while I was preaching, but you know, that's okay too. At least you stayed awake. I'm glad y'all enjoyed that. That was supposed to be a joke. On uh, July 27, 2016, the church unanimously voted and uh, approved the following changes to the deacon elections. The deacons selected will serve for three-year terms and will rotate off the board for a period of at least one year before they can be elected again. We will select only two deacons, as Jim Fide and Terry Alcorn have been uh, elected to rotate off the board. Now, I, I've asked uh, Brother Terry, there was someone asked, uh, someone just said, well, I... Is everything okay? Brother Terry's leaving. The, uh, is not going to be deacon anymore. And so I've asked Brother Terry just to come up and share a little bit uh, of his burden and why uh, he's uh, uh, 
elected to come off the board at this time. I'm grateful for him. Brother Jim Fight has also, uh, I think this was his turn uh, initially to come off this year. Uh, but due to his health, he just he cannot uh, continue to serve as a deacon. And so we're grateful for these two men. Amen. I'm grateful for their leadership. I'm grateful for their humility. I'm grateful for their service for the Lord. Um, men, we love you. We appreciate you all so very much and your faithfulness to Christ. Brother Terry. Well, when we first did this, the idea was that we needed a way to provide the church with the means to train new deacons. And... Uh, what we had done, the church traditionally had done, was elected the whole deacon board every single year. Well, that's kind of a dangerous thing to have, because you literally could have your whole deacon board change in a year, and that would not be good necessarily. Probably would not ever be good, because if everything's new, you know, it just is, it's a rough situation. So we uh, did plans that a lot of churches have done, where we decided to put deacons on three-year terms and have them come off every two years. When that happened, we went... The deacons met for the, when we did this for the first time, and we put the years in a hat, in a box, and we drew out the years. And so it was really, so, so we were assigned, we were given terms to, to rotate off at that time. And actually what has happened is that we have not rotated, rotated anyone off yet that lived. <laughs> because we had two deacons die in this time frame. And so we were, we fulfilled those those areas, you know, so we didn't have more changes. We elected two new deacons, but we didn't replace those that had died. And so really Jim and I have done that. And uh, so it's not that any that either of us necessarily want to rotate off, but we feel like it's a good plan and we're not opposed to it because we do think it's a good plan. And I like the plan because um, I know some churches do junior deacons and I've seen that before. But when I've seen that, what they do, if something comes up that's kind of tough, they excuse them. Well, if you don't get the whole experience, you're not really being trained. And so this way we'll train new deacons, and, and it'll be a, a smooth process, one that's good. And so uh, I had somebody said, am I mad? No, I'm not mad. I'm not, you know, I, you know, I'm not excited about going off the board. But I'm also not disappointed because I think it's what's best for the church, be able to have new deacons. And so I'm excited for the process. I'm, and... Um, and so I just am behind the process, and so that's why uh, that I'm going off and Jim's going off. And uh, it's interesting because, you know, we're brother, brothers-in-law. And we did not know this when we joined, but the day that we joined, we both joined the same day. Well, we hadn't really, we knew we were visiting church, but we hadn't decided what we were going to do. We both stepped down the auditorium. We joined the same day. Jim and I became deacons on the same day. So it's appropriate that we are leaving the board on the same day, you know. And so we've been good friends, and I will say this, that we're rotating off, and, but we're in, behind this, we're praying for the new deacons. And also, I'll just tell you that I really believe that with what we've just gone through is the process of choosing a pastor, I believe the six of us will, will feel and experience for the rest of our lives a real sense of um, God leading us together and bringing us together as a deacon board. I, you know, we've had deacons come and go before, and we will still. But the six of us will forever feel like we were, don't take this in the wrong way, a very special deacon board. Yes. So thank you very much. And, and uh, still active in the church, still going to serve the Lord. Amen. But we're, we're behind this process and thankful that we're moving in this direction. Amen. Terry, I just wanted to make sure we were, uh, we were clear on that. And my heart's desire is that we can just, one, be in prayer for Wednesday night. 
Uh, and secondly, that there be no, uh, no questions or discord. If you have questions, please, please feel free to seek us out. Uh, we, we, we're not trying to be anything but above board and honest with our church family. Uh, we want to make sure that uh, you feel included in the process, and, uh, and if you have questions, please feel free to talk to us.